Of the four candidates in the March primary for mayor of St. Louis, Board of Aldermen President Louis Reed is the most familiar with City Hall. He was first elected to the board in 1999 and has been president since 2007. But Reed says the true power lies with the city's chief executive, and that's why he's making his third run for mayor. Reed joins me next on Politically Speaking to talk about his data-driven plan for public safety, exploring a lease of St. Louis Lambert International Airport, and forming true regional partnerships to tackle public health issues like the pandemic. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Rachel Lipman. Joining me on our podcast today is... Louis Reed. Lewis is currently the president of the St. Louis Board of Aldermen and one of four candidates running in the March primary for mayor. You can find interviews with the other three, that's Kara Spencer, Tashara Jones, and Andrew Jones on our website. And Lewis, this is your third run for mayor. Why do it again? Currently, I'm the longest serving president of the Board of Aldermen in the history of the city. Uh, and you know, I've had a front row seat to this office. So a lot of the things that I've worked on, you know, things that will help transform the landscape in terms of public safety for the city, uh, economic development strategies, all of these things, you need to be the mayor or the CEO to actually implement them, right? Uh, as the head of the legislative branch, I get an opportunity to legislate, right? But as the mayor, you actually get the, you get the resources and you set the course and direction of the city of St. Louis, and you can actually deliver those things opposed to just legislating them and relying on the executive branch to actually carry them through. Body cameras are a perfect example. From the legislative branch, you have a bully pulpit and you can push and everything else, right? Uh, but some of these things that take years to do from my current post those things are just uh, easy turnkey things we can, to get done uh, in the mayor's office. Aside from body cams, uh, what's another example where the powers of the Board of Aldermen, which are, as you mentioned, they're you know, somewhat extensive. You can shape a legislative agenda. You have a say on the budget. Where are some other areas where executive power is more important than that legislative power? Uh, just everyday, you know, everyday tasks that the city carries out, you know, uh, whether the trash is picked up on a regular basis and within the community, uh, if the police department stays with uh, six districts opposed to going to nine districts or, or more, right? Uh, you know, how we carry out community-based policing, right? The way our development agency operates, all of these things and more are things that uh, are completely under the control over the mayors, you know, by the mayor. Think about it, not one department reports to the Board of Aldermen, although people call for, you know, everything from down trees to street sweeping and all these things, right? Whatever city service they need, 
they called aldermen because the aldermen are the closest connection to city government. So that's why they called the aldermen. And the aldermen essentially make calls over to the executive branch and say, hey, this needs to be done. A constituent called me. The other thing is when you look at how we're going to invest our economic dollars and, and, and what's going to be the course and direction of, of that, right? The mayor controls the development agency. Uh, he or he sets the uh, course and direction. Uh, so it's a significant difference, right? It's not. Uh, it's not just okay. I'm passing the law, and hopefully, you know, the executive branch follows through with this in the spirit of it, the way it was meant to be implemented. You officially entered the race after Mayor Lida Krusen announced that she would not seek a second term. Did that decision influence your plan at all? No, it absolutely in, in, in informed my plan, right? Uh, my, you know, and it created a clear path to victory, right? The mayor didn't say she wasn't gonna run until you know, the Wednesday or Thursday before filing open, right? And you needed 2,000 signatures. Now, uh, the other people that are on the ballot, they had been collecting those signatures for quite a while because they were planning to file for day one. We weren't, right? I wasn't raise, raising any money. I wasn't trying to get signatures, nothing, right? And then we got that surprise announcement that came from the mayor's office. So my team came together right away and said, okay, let's go for it. And when you say a clearer path to victory when Mayor Krusen dropped out of the race, what do you mean? Are you saying that if she hadn't dropped out, you may not have gotten in? Here's what I can tell you. Uh, with with uh, Mayor Lida Krusen in the race, it changes the dynamics of it because Mayor Lida Krusen has uh, some solid supporters across the city, right? All of the dynamics change, change based on the people that are in the race. Uh, with the current people that are in the race, it truly makes it makes uh, a clear path to victory. You are alluding a little bit to the fact that the, the actual sort of mechanics of the election have changed this year, too, with Proposition yeah. D, where it's a jungle primary, approval voting, vote for who you ever you want in the March primary. And then the April general election is, is a, a head to head. How does Proposition D benefit you as a candidate? Where's your clearer path to victory with that new voting mechanism and dynamic? If you look at that board president race, one of the things that that showed you was that uh, all across the city, I have a, just a solid base of supporters that come out and, and support me in every election. What we had to do was to, was to just target our strongest supporters, right? Which, which meant that there are various different wards across the city we did not have to campaign in much at all. Uh, so we targeted the wards that we absolutely had to carry. We won the wards that we needed to win. And that type of voting dynamic really helps uh, uh, if you have that type of following across the city. What is the number one issue for this city and what is your plan to address it? The number one issue for the city is public safety. And, uh, you know, to take that one step further, the mass number of, of murders that happen in the city of St. Louis, it affects every single aspect of our city. Uh, you know, whether you're looking at uh, economic development, it hampers economic development. You look at our schools, it hampers our schools. Neighborhood improvements, hampers neighborhoods, it hampers every single segment of our city is being held hostage 
by the high rate of murder cases in our city. And so what do you do about it? Having a data-driven public safety plan in place uh, is absolutely key because public safety isn't just policing, right? Public safety is economic development, it's, it's, it's creating jobs, but not just creating jobs, creating jobs and connecting the people to those jobs, right? Uh, and having you know, a nice system of wraparound services to address the issues in the homes. So when you look at what I did when I put Cure Violence in place, one of the key components of Cure Violence where you have the violence interrupters who are, tra who are trained to recognize whatever the issues are within a household and deploy the social services to address those issues. It could be jobs, it could be whatever, right? Uh, that's, a, that's a way of delivering some of these wraparound services to help stabilize families, right? To help change the dynamics that are happening that are creating more people who are going into a life of crime, right? So you have to have that in play. You also have to have a, effective policing, right? Uh, you have to have effective investigative units so that we can close some of these mass murder cases. And then you have to have community involvement. Part of the reason communities of color aren't coming forward and getting involved because there's a mass, you know, gaping trust between uh, the system and the community, right? So one of the things that helps to bridge that divide is body cameras, because what the studies show is that when a body camera is present, there is more effective communication between law enforcement and the community at large. Does it fix all the problems? Absolutely, it does not, right? But it helps. Um, we need more police officers to be in classrooms and to, to really get to know the young people and the young people get to know them as human beings back and forth, right? We also need to work uh, with our uh, law enforcement for better, more effective training. Uh, we need much smaller districts because of the size of these districts, right? And the, and the number of officers per district, there's, they're zipping across one side of the city, the other side of the city with these massive districts that they have to cover. And then they're transferred quite often from district to district to district to district to district, right? Depending on who's short and that kind of stuff. What that means is that they never have an opportunity to build a relationship with the community. So we need smaller districts. We need not to transfer these officers all around and we need to begin to grade them based on uh, you know, the effectiveness of the relationships that they've built within the community, right? We need to measure them by that. It is a complex issue. I've done a lot of work on this, on this issue, as you know. There was a recent report by the Teneo Group that criticized the city for kind of a lack of an overall strategy to fight crime. And you brought up that there was your legislation requiring that plan to be in place. Teneo says they were not able to find evidence there was a plan in place. They Where's the disconnect there and who's responsible for it? Well, yeah. You, when we started, you asked, what, why am I running again, right? And I talked about legislation that you passed, but it really takes the executive branch to actually uh, implement those things. That's why it's important uh, to have the chief executive officer of the city uh, truly embody those things and really want to carry those things out. There are a 
whole host of things within that Teneo plan uh, that I have worked on like uh, uh, and, and gotten done. So, um, you know, I was pleased to see the plan, I, the report, not the plan, but the report, um, because it helped to validate some of those things that, you know, m- myself and my office have recognized as issues. And we were working to position the city so that those things could be rec- rectified. But from the mayor's seat, it's easy, it's, it's, it's much easier just to do those things opposed to having to legislate them and hoping that they carry them through on the, on the executive branch. You were one of the leading proponents at the Board of Aldermen of effort to privatize operations at St. Louis Lambert International Airport. Why is that something you think could benefit the city in the long run? One of the things that I, I thought we always needed to do was to see what a proposal looked like, because otherwise we don't have any, any information to make a decision on, right? So uh, to say that I was a leading proponent to privatize the airport, that's really not factual. What I was, I was, I was very bullish in saying that, well, let's look and see what it what let's look and see what a proposal looks like. And I think that's I think that that was really important. We get six and a half million dollars a year from the airport, and that's about all we will ever get. Uh, our landing fees are more expensive in uh, at Lambert Airport than you know, other like airports across the country because we're carrying $650 million in debt. We could take our six and a half million, turn it back over to buy down the debt in our, on our airport and it'll take us the next hundred years to get that down to zero, right? And meanwhile, we have skyrocketing murders every year. We have uh, uh, infrastructure issues across the city. We have Del Mar Divide, and it's going to take a lot of resources to address those issues. Given the state of things uh, and the fact that, you know, any improvements through an alternative scheme, like what they're using in all these other airports, would just help St. Louis County. It wouldn't do a, a thing for us here in the city. I thought we should look at a proposal. And there's no harm, no foul. There's, that does not impact, that does not hurt one thing to look at a proposal. The appeal of a large influx of cash is obviously there from a potential lease operation proposal, but what happens when that influx of cash runs out? Oh, good point. Good point. So the way you would structure something like this with an with a, with a airport lease agreement, you would say, okay, uh, a certain percentage of, of the revenue goes back into the deal and it's paid out on an annual basis. So for example, let's assume that you would have done a three or $4 billion deal. You could have taken enough right off the top of that deal to return to the city of St. Louis, not six and a half million dollars a year, you could say 10 or 12 million, right? And you also could set up enough so that you could put money in, uh, in a long-term you know, capital improvements plan or budget. When I say, Given, you know, the fact that this thing sits in St. Louis County, um, our biggest win on the airport over these years was Wow Airline, and then Wow Airline turned around and left. And the fact that it costs more for airlines to use our airport than other like airports across the country. 
when you look at some of the more modern airports, they have hotels built into them. Uh, they have all sorts of like meeting, massive meeting spaces, all sorts of things that have transitioned airports today. And we need, we need to be able to do that to our airport. And we'll be right back after this quick break. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Board of Aldermen President and Mayoral Candidate Lewis Reed. I'm Rachel Lippman. And Lewis, looking at the city's budget a little bit more broadly, what can be done to ensure that its revenues and its expenses stay more aligned with each other? That you're not every year building a bigger structural deficit that is closed by shifting some money around, nibbling at the edges. We have to create a more vibrant economy, right? We're sitting here with virtually half of our tax bases in the city of St. Louis just cut off and not generating to the level it could generate, right? A lack of development in one side of the city hurts everybody. We need to do a, a better job of opening up more industries. I think we have a massive opportunity uh, to open up more trade opportunities uh, in the city of St. Louis. Our location is what made us one of the biggest cities in America at, the, at that time. A lot of that was fueled by trade, right? We've lost our way on that. We're still second biggest inland port in the country. We have the interconnected railway, rail, railways all the way through here. We have interconnected highways and everything. We can get to places in a central fashion and quicker than other places in the country. But we're not capitalizing on that. They're not going to come here by, by themselves. We have to market it, right? We have to package it, and we have to go after those big deals. How do you do that? Uh, first and foremost, uh, you have to build a marketing plan that speaks to the city's strong points, right? That, that speaks to the advantages that we have here as a city. St. Louis, we like to look at ourselves and say, well, you know, we're just not that great. Like Eeyore. We have to get out of that mindset, right? And understand that we have a lot of great assets to market as a city. And we have to get active in the trade community. We have to begin to open up dialogue between some of the current trade partners to see if there are other goods and services that we can engage with them on and, and open up some of these trade lines. The other thing is working with our local businesses because our local businesses have great opportunity for trade in technology and trade in products and services, but they're not connecting to the larger world with that, right? We can help grow these businesses by opening up these trade opportunities for them. What will be the role of incentives such as TIFs and tax abatements in an economic development plan that you develop? When we look north of Del Mar, uh, the same incentive programs that were that were required that were used to build Central Corridor and South St. Louis, we're going to have to use utilize all those same tools to build out North of Del Mar, right? Uh, for people who live in this fantasy world that say, well, you know, a developer or a homeowner just needs to go uh, to this area that has all these blighted and vacant, abandoned buildings and just do it by themselves. In, in the fairy tale world, that works fine. But, but in reality, in reality is here's what you're dealing with. They can go to Clayton and they can get incentives to do the same thing and not have to deal with some of the other issues that people have to are challenged with here in the city of St. Louis. 
And uh, I know a lot of people, the, the, the natural progression of that, people say, well, TIFs and tax abatements are taken away from our schools, and that's why our schools aren't achieving. It's easy to say that, right? Because that's a very popular position to take. The schools can't fix the economic conditions that these families are living under, the poverty that's gripped this, these communities, the roles of vacant, abandoned buildings, the entire environment that these kids have to live under. The school system can't fix that. We have not positioned those kids so that when they arrive at that school, that learning can actually take root. We have to fix the community and the, you know, the environment that this child was growing up in. The people that are just focusing on tax abatements and TIFs, <laughs> at the end of it, if you wipe out tax abatements and TIF, you still aren't going to have achievement happening within these schools. The other issue that has occupied, obviously, quite a bit of time in the city of St. Louis and governments everywhere has been the coronavirus pandemic. From a public health perspective, is there anything that you would change in terms of how the city reacted or responded when it came to uh, using some of its executive authority to uh, try and prevent the spread of the virus? Yeah, I would say that uh, there needed to be, uh, although there was, there was a, uh, there, there was a, an attempt up front and there was some coordination with St. Louis County, right? Um, that coordination needed to stay in place all the way through. And I think we sh should have also done some stuff regionally. The reason that's important is because we're, we're all feeding off the same healthcare network, right? The same hospital system that is gonna be overburdened is gonna be overburdened through a spike in COVID virus in St. Louis City or St. Louis County or over in Illinois side. So we needed to coordinate and also share in resources across those borders. If we shared in resources, um, I think that would have helped out tremendously. We could have had more contract, a more robust contract tracing system. We would have had more funds to get information out to, uh, to communities uh, that that are always left out of these kinds of uh, discussions and, um, so, and also additional PPEs. Look, some families were you know, trying to, still trying to figure out gas money, uh, money for electric bills and various different things like that. They didn't have additional money for PPEs and some of these things that everybody else just went out and purchased. So how do you work as mayor to develop a true regional relationship and strategy, whether it's for the next pandemic or issues like economic development or other places where a regional strategy could actually make a difference? I think one of the things is you can start with the legislative branches, right? So if we wanted to, to begin to move uh, more regionally, right, there's various different cooperative agreements we can come together and put together right now between St. Louis City and St. Louis County. And quite frankly, there are some cooperative agreements that we should you know, explore and get into sooner than later because it's gonna allow us to use our tax revenue more efficiently between St. Louis City and St. Louis County. If you leverage the legislative branches to establish a protocol and a you know and a, a footing for that right then it kind of it, it kind of moves the executive branches in that direction it's easier then to uh to do it 
and they can set up some type of community board. They can uh, also say, okay, these various different factors, whether it's economic development, whether it's healthcare, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, regionals, policing, whatever, right? Whatever those things are, uh, the city and the county shall come together and establish a, an emergency, uh, a disaster recovery plan that encompasses the region, right? Um, and under that disaster recovery plan, these are some of the outcomes and various different things we were looking for, right? So you can move something like that through the board of aldermen in the city and, and move a very similar measure through St. Louis County's board. That establishes the footing. Short of that, what you'd have to do is to work on cooperative agreements with your county counterparts. So in this case, it'd be, uh, you know, Sam Page, County Executive Sam Page. And you can also bring in Elman out in St. Charles County uh, to do it and um, go that route also. One of the more uh, brutal battles that will be coming up shortly will be redistricting at the board of aldermen. It's likely going down to 14 wards, although there's an outside chance it'll stay at, at 28. What are you going to want to see in the maps if you are mayor? I want to see equity, right? I want to see equity. I want to see maps that, um, that will provide an equal opportunity for people, no matter what your background is and stuff, no matter what your race is, uh, you know, no matter what your gender is or whatever, you should have an equal opportunity to, um, to win, to run and win in that ward, right? Uh, and I know, that, I know that that can be difficult to reach, to, be, to reach but uh, it can be done. I think that it would be a grave mistake to send the map over to the courts and hopefully the courts will, will draw a good map. In the last map, instead of doing what they had done every year in the city of St. Louis, where you get 15 of your friends together, right? You and 14 other people together, together because that's the magic number, 15 votes. And all of you agree on what you want in your pot and then you just force it through. And when you do that, you end up in lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. When I had a chance to run it, I established some engagement uh, procedures and policies amongst all the older people and say, everybody must adhere to these different things and agree to work together. And then I put them all together, people that were bordering each other with with uh, you know, another party that would help negotiate terms of these border lines. And we were able to draw a map for the first time in the history of the city of St. Louis where we had 100% of the aldermen uh, uh, vote for it. It's the first time that has happened in the city. And we did it in record time, record time. I don't buy the fact that we have to send it someplace else because we're scared of the, we, scared, we, we want to avoid the, the influx and the controversy that's gonna come from the, what has to happen to come to a solid map. I think that that is really important because the map that, that I drew the last time, one of the few maps in the history of the city of St. Louis that didn't go to court. Now go draw, now send this thing over to the courts and let a judge draw this map without in, with, without without any uh, you know consideration for 
the people that are occupying the offices, what they know about their community and, and uh, you know, how these various lines should be moved to consider all of these nuanced things across the city. You will end up with a map that people will hold up and say, this thing has disenfranchised African-Americans, has disenfranchised women, has disenfranchised the uh, lesbian gay community, whatever, right? So uh, the Hispanic community and so on and so forth. But if we do the hard work, set out an engagement plan and hold people to it, we will be able to draw a map and one uh, that you know, not everybody probably will be happy with, but we will come a lot closer by doing it the way I'm talking about, opposed to just turn it over to the courts. Lewis, in the brief time that we have left, give our listeners your elevator pitch as to why you are the best candidate to be the city's chief executive. You know, Rachel, um, uh, uh, you know, I've sponsored and passed many pieces of leg legislation across my time. Uh, and I understand what you can and cannot do as mayor. Also understand the city's charter intimately, right? And I understand the powers that are vested in that office and what is required for that office in terms of engaging with other officers across the city to move the city in the right direction. Uh, I'm the only candidate that has taken the reins and moved big issues through the city of St. Louis, everything from the soccer stadium uh, to, you know, uh, you know uh, our cure violence program, if you're looking at public safety, body cameras, uh, the requirement for a, a uh, overarching development strategy and plan for the city of St. Louis, a requirement for a data-driven plan for, you know, the police department, on and on and on and on. Whether you're looking at bike routes across the city, whether you're looking at pet care, whether you know leash laws, uh, you know I'm the I'm the person that put in place the environmental sustainability laws in the city of St. Louis. Right, I've driven all these things because I know that those are the things that's going to take to transition our city. I could take us to the next level, right, and I can do it in a way that brings everybody along and that will address some of the issues, some of the issues that have divided us as a city. Um, I know that our best days are ahead of us and um, you need four years go super fast. You need a mayor that, that knows the job, that's not gonna have to have on the job training and that can get this thing moving day one. And I'm the person to do it. I put my record up against anybody that's running for this office. For all of our stories, you can go to stlpublicradio.org. I'm on Twitter at R. Lipman. That's two P's and two N's. President Reed, where can everyone find you and your campaign on Twitter and the rest of the social media slash worldwide web spaces? Just look for Reed for St. Louis. So you can go readforstlouis.com. That's our website. You can dial 314-900-2002 or 314-500-1032 if you want to get in touch with us. Again, 314-900-2002 or readforstlouis.com. Read, F-O-R-S-T-Lewis.com. Uh, and we would love to have you on our team. Uh, St. Louis's best days are ahead of it. Please join us. Until next time, so long. <laughs>